So today we're going to talk about drugs. Again? Again. I just can't stop. I can't stop <laughs> talking about them. But I was looking for stories to cover, and I remember a couple of years ago I saw Stevie Nicks at Bonnaroo, I think? I don't know, some music festival. And she was talking about how she did so much cocaine in the 70s that she almost like burned a hole through her nose, even though your nose is just two big holes. She almost added another or uh, collapsed ooh. them into one. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. So I was like, well, let's hear about Stevie Nicks and her cocaine addiction. And I found this article. I mean, her nose looks okay in this picture. Well, that was probably before <laughs> <laughs> or during at the height of the... I mean, it uh, looks fine. It looks yeah. fine from the outside. I think from the inside, it was fucked up. Maybe. I don't know how cocaine works. See, I've been thinking about noses because I just got my si- second sinus infection of the fucking season. Hell and yeah. I'm pissed off. <laughs> I'm going to talk about someone whose nose is more fucked up than mine. I mean, I broke mine twice. Yeah. We are Death by Music Podcast. I am Jake, and I'm here with Alex. Of course, Cassie will be back for the main season. All right. Uh, I don't know who read the last one. I guess I'll read this one. Whatever. Uh, this is from Far Out Magazine, and it's by Joe Taysom. Hey, we've used his articles before. How Cocaine Almost Destroyed the Life of Fleetwood Mac's Stevie Nicks. It says, nobody knows what really happened in my life until I tell them. All right. Well, that makes sense. Seems logical. Yeah. <laughs> I will say on stage, she seems very strange. Like, just kind of spacey. She just seemed really weird in her delivery of stories, kind of oversharing. Um, and she, she looked really nervous when she was on stage, too. Yeah, was she just, like, in between songs, just talking? Oh, my God. She would go off on, like, a whole tangent. Oh. And, and the whole time she was, like, fidgeting, like, really bad. So she ties, like, a scarf to the microphone, and she would be telling us this story and kind of like looking off like into the distance and just like messing with this scarf and she couldn't stop fidgeting during the whole story i was like Mm. dude she's fucking weird um so i don't know if she's always been like that but it's not what i was expecting usually musicians who have been in it for so long i mean i remember seeing like billy joel and elton john and stuff and they're very composed on stage and calm Mm -hmm. you know like she seemed nervous. She seemed, yeah, they seemed normal. Yeah, she seemed nervous on stage, which I thought was really strange. Hmm. Um, and then I wondered, has this always been her demeanor? Or why is she nervous now playing a music festival? And she's certainly been in front of bigger crowds. Right. I don't know. It was weird. One of the most important figures of music in recent memory, Stevie Nicks, isn't just the enigmatic lead singer in Fleetwood Mac. She's a double rock and roll hall of famer and creative visionary an expert writer, and a supreme vocalist. Nix's command of music is a natural gift and one unlike anything contemporary music has ever seen before. However, the pleasure-seeking instincts of Nix in the late 1970s is notoriously unparalleled, with her party binges on the same level as her incredible musical prowess. In truth, it's somewhat of a miracle that she was even able to perform as finely as she did. You know... She does have a nasally voice, and it's probably because her nasal cavity was always full of cocaine and snot. Maybe. I've never heard her speak. No, no, singing. I mean, just singing. She has like a super... To me, it's always sounded like a nasally voice. Hmm. What started out as a recreational activity soon escalated rapidly into something much more severe. Nick suffered through several incidents throughout her partying career, one of which almost left her blind, but 
that but even that didn't stop her from consuming her preferred powder of choice a matter of moments later the singer has since got a hold of her substance issues and with it used her influence to help spread the dangers of cocaine abuse nix's drug addiction had escalated from casual recreational use to a pure reliance on cocaine and by the time that fleetwood mac's seminal album rumor swung around the singer was in the grips of addiction Joining Fleetwood Mac was something that Nix was initially reluctant to do and, in actual fact, was quite happy making music with Lindsey Buckingham, but one phone call from Mick Fleetwood would prove to be a life-changing moment. Bob Welch had plunged the future of Fleetwood Mac into turmoil when he tendered his resignation on New Year's Eve, a decision that left Mick Fleetwood in a quandary, and he needed to replace Welch swiftly. Despite it being a celebratory evening, Fleetwood wasn't in a mood for partying and instead spent the night plotting potential names that he could use to fill Welch's boots in the band. He knew Keith Olsen had produced the second Buckingham Knicks record and asked him to put the feelers out to see if Buckingham would jump ship to join the Mac. However, Olsen said that wouldn't happen unless Knicks came too and in Fleetwood's eyes, it was the more the merrier. It was with the band now growing rock stars that Nix's penchant for powder first grew. Whether they were in the studio or when they just went out on the road, drugs were omnipresent. Omnipresent. Hmm. It soon became a pre-show ritual of sorts for the group to join in a ceremonial bump of coke immediately before going on stage, an introduction which quickly becomes much more and saw Nix enter into the inescapable trap of addiction. Nix has often struggled with stage fright. Oh, there we go. And there's a fair theory that suggests that her only relief from the issue was a bump before going on. More than anything else, however, it offered a momentary escape from touring. Nix was struggling to cope with rigorous schedules and began suffering incredible loneliness, loneliness with nobody of her own to turn to. The fascination with the drug continued, and during the recording of Rumors, she and Christy McVeigh purchased ladylike Coke vials, of which McVeigh described as little beautiful Coke bottles that they wore around their necks, which she said were encrusted with gold, turquoise, and diamonds. Now, these aren't tiny Coca-Cola bottles. They might be. She said they were, maybe maybe she <laughs> just means cocaine, but they still make that shit. Yeah, if you go to like well, music festivals we, and stuff, they sell so much paraphernalia and they make little necklaces that are like uh, vials and, you know, they look like potion bottles. And isn't that, we learned about uh, uh, the tiny spoons recently. Yeah. Apparently that's about, for, for Coke too. Or whatever powdered substances yeah. people are doing out there. Yeah, the tiny spoons. It, that seems like a very out in the open place to carry your drugs is around yeah, your neck on a, on a necklace that everybody can see. If it's jewelry, I mean, they don't... I mean, I'm sure people know, but security doesn't really... Security knows. They're working the festival. I don't know. They're not really fucking with your jewelry. Like, they'll no. search your bag, but they don't really search your person. So it seems to be the safest place to keep the, your stuff. What they got to do is make it look like a like a crystal... Yeah, I think they have some stuff so like that. You can, yeah, it just looks like a piece of uh, amethyst hanging off your neck or something. There are so many things that you can use to like hide your stuff. I'm pretty sure I told you guys about what, when I used to go to festivals back in the day and I thought it would be fun to smuggle in alcohol. And then I realized like, well, I, I might have just gotten old. But now I'm like, that's dumb as fuck. I'm trying to <laughs> smuggle in a water bottle so I can like drink water during the show. But I had uh, these tampon flasks. Did I tell you guys about those? Oh, they vaguely sound familiar. 
so they're like test tube they look like yeah. test tubes and they have a little like stopper that goes in the top mm-hmm. and then you put them in like a plastic i think you did tell me about thing. those yeah yeah and one festival i just filled up like six or eight of those and then found the youngest guy who was working the gate and he looked like he was probably 18 and he was digging through my big old bag of tampons and he was like wait i'm not touching these <laughs> so i was good i was good to go um i did have a hairbrush i don't, I don't think i could pull that off no Probably not. I had a hairbrush flask too, but they found that one. I was like, can I at least keep the brush? I mean, dump out the booze. You got me. But I need the brush. (laughs) This is my actual hairbrush. It's not normally filled with booze. Anyways, uh, while the surroundings were spiraling out of control, Nix was still painfully lonely despite dating Don Henley. He's from the Eagles. While on the surface they may have appeared as the perfect rock couple, their busy schedules meant that they weren't much of a couple at all. And this led to her starting a cocaine-fueled affair with Mick Fleetwood. Well, I forgot about this. I knew we talked about the relationships of Stevie Nicks in a in a previous, mm-hmm. or not just of her, but of the whole band in a yeah. previous episode, because Mick Fleetwood was like dating somebody or married to somebody in the band, I think. And then she was dating uh, Lindsey Buckingham and then like all kinds of, dude, it was crazy. We got an old mini episode on it if you want to look it up. Right now? Were you on that one? I don't remember. I think I was. I vaguely recall uh, something about nipples and the uh, album cover. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was yeah. that the one? I Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I don't know. Somebody go back and listen to it. And send uh, us oh, it was because uh, I was confused that she was dating somebody named Lindsay, but that's a guy. Yeah. And you got to see his nipples on the album cover or Woo-hoo! a picture or something. I don't remember. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, she later opened up to Oprah about the doomed affair, saying they were the last two people at a party, and it was a doomed thing that caused pain for everybody. Prior to the first night of the Rumors World Tour, Nix had a party with the rest of the band that was wild even by their own heady proportions. The group celebrated the news that the album had just gone platinum the only way that they knew how. But the party had almost the party almost had dire consequences. This celebration almost lasted 48 hours straight. Hmm. Jesus. And the singer forgot to remove her contact lenses, which wore off her cornea, almost leaving Nick's blind. Oh. Damn. They had contacts back then? Yeah, they, they must have been hard ones. Ew. In the 70s? Yeah. Fuck that. I, 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 I'm probably wrong, but I do believe they even used to be made of glass. Ew. Or some type of, like, a hard plastic, possibly. I'm not sure. Okay, so, ew, God. Yeah, you're right. Um, American optometrist William Feinblum developed a contact lens that combined glass and plastic. The glass portion covered the cornea while the plastic shell sat on the white of the eye. And then some other guy made them out of non-porous plastic. And that was a, a lot more popular in the 50s and 60s because it was way more comfortable. In the early 1970s, Bausch and Lomb released the first commercial soft contact lenses made of hydrogel. Okay. And then daily lenses were introduced in the 80s. So what are yours made out of? They're, they're Is it soft. hydrogel? I, I don't know exactly, but they're, uh, they're soft lenses. Silicone hydrogel. Okay. So it is a different material now than what it used to be. Hers probably weren't the glass ones. No. It sounds like she had some version of the soft ones, but who knows you know, you're not supposed to sleep in them or anything. That's. Uh, I don't think she was sleeping if this party was 48 hours. But uh, how no, the probably fuck do you not. not sleep for 48 hours? That is insane. I wonder. Speaking I wonder of, if her eyes just dried out and she's probably didn't bother to take them I'm out. Sure I'm sure she that could drinking, fuck you up pretty bad. I'm sure she wasn't drinking enough water. Uh, yeah. Um, I recently. <laughs> I actually didn't mention this. I went to my first EDM show 
the other weekend, um, I had some friends who were coming to see Subtronics at the Coliseum, and it was a two-day thing, and they had an extra I was trying ticket. to figure out what was going I, I I looked at the flyer, and I'm like, I've never heard of these people. Like, is this... Bro. What kind of <laughs> metal is this? It's not. It's <laughs> fucking EDM. Because um, I was over there, too. I was at the... I went to visit a friend at the Nerd Fest across the street. Yeah, there was an anime. I texted Jake and I was like, hey, watch my cats because I'm at an EDM festival this weekend. And he's like, I'm also across the street from where you are at the anime convention. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, EDM festival was crazy. And we had like eight or ten of us staying in a house in an Airbnb up, up there. And those motherfuckers, like we got, the show ended at midnight. So we got back to our Airbnb by like one o'clock mm-hmm. and they stayed up until four o'clock. I went to bed pretty soon after we got back and um, I got up in the morning. I woke up at like 10. I slept for a long ass time and I still felt like shit. So I took a three hour nap during the day. <laughs> one of the girls who was there, she got up in the morning. She had made bacon and eggs and all this shit. And I woke up and I was the first one to go to bed. I woke up. I felt like dog shit. And she had made this full spread. And she was like, I only slept for 30 minutes last night. And I was like, what, what the hell is wrong with you? We still have day two to go. And she did not sleep. She didn't take a nap, nothing. And I was like, well, I'm going upstairs to take another nap because I'm not ready to do this again. Uh, she's Fucking on something. crazy. Anyways, Nix has been open in recent years about her prior issues with substance abuse and more specifically about how she completely lost control of her behavior during this hedonistic period. The disregard for her health also resulted in physical injury. The snorting had burnt a hole the size of a coin in the side of her nose. Which coin? A dime? A I, penny? I feel like a dime is appropriate. Ah, uh, yeah. Eh, I eh, get eh, it. Eh, eh. Um, fuck. So it did burn a hole. I thought it almost did. And in the side of her nose, I wonder what that means. Like, like It had to be in the side of her nostril then. Or on the inside or the outside? I would think it would fuck up your palate, you know? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Or like the middle piece of your nose, whatever that is, your septum. Is that sure. what that is? That yeah. would, I mean, that's what I was thinking, but it says on the side. I guess that is a side of one of your nostrils, so yeah. I, it could just connect the two. It makes your breathing more efficient, basically. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's exactly <laughs> what it does. More airflow. Her addiction was worsening more rapidly than ever before. Even after the band took a break in 1982, Nix didn't step away from her heavy drug use, which... If anything, increased under the pressure of pursuing life as a solo performer. The singer was in a dark place at this time, and her personal life was in turmoil as she watched several relationships break down. And to compound the misery, her best friend passed away. In those turbulent times, drugs remained a constant, despite everything else in her life seemingly disappearing. When Fleetwood Mac returned to the studio to create Tango in the Night, Nix repeatedly blacked out and as a result was told by a doctor that she was on the cusp of suffering a brain hemorrhage nick says that she was told in no uncertain terms the next time you do cocaine it won't be pretty she says all of us were drug addicts but there was a point where i was the worst drug addict she would later recall i was a girl i was fragile and i was doing a lot of coke and i had that hole in my nose so it was dangerous i wonder because we've done stories where we get like estimates of people's uh, weekly intake. Yeah, intake when we do that and like how Hendrix? much they're spending. Like Jerry Garcia and uh, I think uh, Freddie Mercury was on that list somewhere. Yeah, like ten thousand dollars or right. four thousand like pounds. Just ridiculous amount of money, even for them. 
just to do these drugs. Well, you know, wonder... Even for that time, just to do these drugs, that the amount of money that they were spending. Yeah, but I wonder... Well, they're... Okay. So they're in a band, and they're also partying, so they have other people around. And I feel like Coke is not really a drug that you just do on your own. It's a party thing. So, like, they're passing it out. So I always I also wonder how much of that... Like, if Freddie Mercury gets a bag of Coke or a brick in your face, is... He's not doing that whole thing. He's certainly doing a lot of it, not but he's probably once. setting it out on the trays that the midgets would carry around at the party. So everybody right. else is doing it too. So you have to take that into consideration. They're probably not the only one who's doing those things when we've but shared those figures before. The thing is, at least with Freddie Mercury, he's got the money for it. So he's the one supplying it. So he's still paying for it. Yeah. He's still paying for that brick. I just wonder how much of it he was doing. That's a good point. You know, uh, because you'll be passing it around to other people, yeah. too. Cause I'm, he I'm sure, ha- he I'm sure he'd get it. all the leftovers, too. Yeah. He wouldn't <laughs> have done it if if he wasn't surrounded by people. Like, he needed to be surrounded by all those people to feel loved and to feel important. So, I think if he was actually spending time by himself, he wouldn't just be snorting lines at his house with his cats. Like, it's a party thing. You can have a party with your cats. Yes, you can. <laughs> But, I mean, don't give them cocaine, please, for the love of God. Um, In 1986, Nix would listen to the advice of her bandmates and visit the Betty Ford Clinic in a bid to get clean from coke, which thankfully proved successful. However, the stint in rehab did lead to a nine-year addiction to Valium, goddammit, as well as other drugs that were prescribed to her by doctors to keep her clean. Ah, good old doctors. That doesn't make any sense. In a spiraling system that many have endured, the only way Nix managed to get clean from prescriptions was to ask her PA to take the drugs she was being forced to take. Of course, it was a move met with horror from her doctor. However, Nix came to the realization that by taking a regimented system of prescription drugs, the path was as equally deadly as the one she endured with cocaine. In response, she decided to kick them all into touch and turn her hand to sobriety, something she is now totally totally in control of. Yeah, to, that whole do these other drugs to not do these drugs thing is Just swap it out stupid. for something else? Yeah. yeah well, these nuts. ones are a little bit less worse. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah, no, I think it's she, she specifically told the, I don't know if PA is like her assistant or, mm-hmm. yeah, she was like, here. You do it. Here, take all these pills out of my hand and you eat them right now and tell me how you feel and then tell me that I should be doing this every day. Like, you fucking yeah. do it. Um, there's no denying that Stevie Nicks' battle with cocaine isn't one that was out of the ordinary. Countless people across the globe suffer from a similar addiction. While Nicks was able to have so many close shaves and yet still find a pathway out of the mire of addiction, it's not only proof of her iconic status as a rock star, but as her determination as a human. Stevie Nicks smartened up and straightened out just in time to enjoy her legacy as a true great. Well, that's good. I, I, I know it says that she's clean, been clean for a while. I just hope she's actually been happy. truthful in maintaining that, also being happy and, and able to have a normal-ish life, you know, for being a celebrity. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine. First of all, being a musician and, like, being on tour and potentially constantly partying, I'm sure it's hard enough. I just can't fucking imagine what it was like in the 70s and 80s, too, when rock stars were first popping up and just, like, setting the bar for that sort of behavior. Yeah, and nobody was there to control them or, like, they didn't know 
what the, the, the consequences would be because... I mean, it was all fairly new to yeah. be doing that shit at the time. So, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I mean, cocaine used to be medicine. Oh, so. yeah, it used to be in Coke. Yeah. I do believe... I want to say Coke is actually the largest cocaine producer because they still have to have the coca beans or whatever the fuck it is they use. And a byproduct of that is is cocaine or what? some shit Where like that. Where do they put it? They give it to the government and then the government sells it to the people. That's my internet theory that I read somewhere that I'm randomly remembering at this moment. So. Is that why Victoria lives in Atlanta? Probably. Coca-Cola is based. Yeah. She's just it's going not to that the far factory. from her house. Yeah. Hmm. Go right to the museum. Sketchy. <laughs> All right. Well, coming up on Patreon, we've got a, an episode, the 10 best rock songs that were banned from the radio back in the day. So we're going to do a little history lesson for you nerds. And um, I think that's really, I think that's really it. Happy fucking Thanksgiving. I think that's next week, the week that this will come out. Yeah, it is. Working on season six right now and also forgot that we had said all those years ago that we were going to go back and re-record seasons one and two. Yeah. So we're kind of working Very on that too. Very slowly coming out. Yeah, I, I started on uh, one of them and I got sidetracked, but I, I got to get back on it and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get them done soon ish yes thanks for hanging with us and thanks for listening to mini episodes we are working on some original content to come your way ah but it's tough i feel like i just get more and more and more busy as the days go by so whatever fuck it we're trying and we love you guys and rest of peace later Death by Music podcast is written and produced by Alex Motler, Cassie Gardner, and Jake.